listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. Send in your question or comment. To participate in the show, you can text or call 757-774-8482. Or to email the show, you can go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and send your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. Show. It's the Fret Files Podcast. We're going to do a little bit of a departure today. Different show. We're not going to do questions and answers. We are going to have an interview with John Thiessen, the president and founder of the El Camino School. It's a music and technology-based trade school located in Orlando, Florida, that has a wide variety of programs. And one of the main focuses at El Camino School is providing hands-on learning courses for musicians and hobbyists, as well as Guitar techs, guitar technician development for those uh, seeking a career in the music industry. John, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Uh, Eric, thank you so much for having me on the show and uh, and getting us uh, allowing us to tell our story. Oh, I'm honored so, to do uh, it. El Camino School of Music Repair and Technology. We're located in Orlando, Florida. Uh, we opened in 2019, uh, October of 2019, which if anybody's doing their math, it was uh, five months before the pandemic, which uh, for any uh, young entrepreneurs out there is a, uh, a poor time to start an in-person, hands-on trade oh, school. Oh, man. Uh, but, uh, well, you guys we... made it through, though. I mean, that's um, that's... Right there. Let's stop. That's astonishing right there that you started just before the pandemic and you're still going. Well, and our uh, we're yeah, and we're currently in a semester right now. So the lights are still on and we're still forging ahead. And we have students this semester from uh, as far away as California and Colorado. So, uh, you know, it's still we're still in the new business. You know, we're still growing um, like any business. Uh, I don't think any business ever stops growing, but uh, it is a blessing. And yeah, it was a tough time because we, we wanted to be uh, solely focusing on guitar techs for tour support. And then obviously tours went away. Uh, yeah. So that was an interesting thing. But the, the blessing in it all was that I always joke that during the pandemic, everybody uh, that was uh, participating in the pandemic bought a pedal bicycle and a guitar. When tours went away, next thing you know, these guitar companies were calling and saying, we've sold more guitars than ever before. And, uh, you know, do you have any graduates, you know? And so again, it, it was a blessing because one door closed, another one opened and huh. we focus, uh, at the school, we focus a lot on empowering people, deepening their appreciation with their instruments. And, um, and that goes from everything from our 10 week trade course where we're tr truly training people for job placement in the industry to, uh, the weekend courses. I mean, we literally have just a four hour course guitar setup 101, where somebody can learn how to set up their own guitar. Or we have, uh, you know, a two gate guitar build coming up, uh, this weekend that, you come in, you build a kit guitar, and you get to walk away with a guitar you built with your own hands, and and it's not a custom shop 
you know, it's not a, you're, you're not going to, you know, be a, a luthier, of course, by the time you're done building this kick guitar with an instructor, but you learned about soldering, you learned about the wiring, you learned about a lot of things and, and all of it makes a lot more sense. And so yeah. we really focus on that hands-on and the empowerment through learning uh, about deepening the appreciation with the instrument. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, so many guitar players would benefit from a, a short course on how to set up your guitar. I, I just don't know how often I run into this. People are so frustrated with their guitar, not realizing that it's it, that they don't have a problem with the guitar. They only have a problem with how the guitar is adjusted. I've seen time and time again, people will trade in a guitar they're unhappy with when all they needed was a setup. And I think that it's, I think it's a misconception that um, in a former life, uh, I used to run a, a guitar center with one of my partners. And, uh, you know, it was a misconception that people were going to buy something out of the box yeah. and it was going to be a playable. But it also right. I think that you and I both know that playing an instrument, especially at any age, learning how to play an instrument, learning how to play guitar is never nothing's ever as easy as you thought it was going to be. But, you know, so it's already enough of a pain in the ass to uh, to to learn this thing but when the guitar is fighting against you and you're going man is this buzzing am i not playing this am i not pressing down as hard or is the is the yeah. is it buzzing because the you know yeah. the nut is a piece of crap yeah. so why um, won't it stay so in it, tune <laughs> yeah yeah and so a lot of our courses, like I said, and I, I used to have um, techs and luthiers that have shops and they go, oh, my God, if you t teach everybody how to set up their own guitar, uh, you know, you're taking away my business. And I was like, well, but there's still so much higher level repair business to be done. Oh, that yeah. If you could get if you could get uh, if you could empower people. And, and I, we've had so many uh, people, Eric, and that's ultimately why we started the school. And in a lot of ways is I was playing uh, with a lot of really great musicians um, that were monster players and, and just being surrounded by a great uh, group of peers in our community and, 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 and uh, across the world that we've toured with. Um, and they didn't know, they go, something's broke. <laughs> you know, yeah. so, something's not working right. And, and maybe they knew a little bit about their guitar, but especially when it came to their amps or their pedals or just something, uh, you know, they really just threw their hands up. And so we found players that have been on major, major tours that anybody would be proud to be and, and had their career. And they've taken a small class with us and just, it's just light. You just see light bulbs going off. Oh God, uh, and, that's awesome. And that's a real, that's a real great thing. And to realize it's not like pulling the, the curtain back. Uh, because it is, you know, it is a, a, a serious skill and it is something that takes time and, and dedication too. But a lot of the things, you know, people just treat their guitars like a, the idea of a setup is such a, a foreign concept to so many people. And it is. by just pulling that curtain back a little bit and just showing them the starting out with the math, showing them these things and showing them how the hows and whys. Yeah. And I also run into a lot of guitar techs, just in, in t touring techs and a lot of people in general, they can do the craft. But uh, the, the explaining the craft or, or knowing the whys of it, you, you yeah. can go to any yeah. any tech. You can go to any tech at some some uh, retailer, and he can probably set up your guitar, and he can probably do a few things, he or she, you know, whatever. But um, but for them to actually know why they're doing it, and I think that's the missing piece on a lot of this is, and that's why it's also sometimes hard for me to find uh, great instructors, and the instructors that we have are are beautiful, but they all are excited about the thing that they're teaching, and yeah. uh, we've got a guy that teaches Floyd Rose, teaches uh, three or four days on Floyd Rose during our program, and uh, he is the he gets his eyes light up when he talks about Floyd Rose, so that's the guy I want teaching it, but yeah. to be able to explain it to somebody is much different than 
just the practical application of doing. You know, anybody can follow directions uh, and, and, and follow a diagram and go, it says to put this here. This screw yeah. goes there. OK. But to not understand how that plays into the overall thing is, uh, you know, I think a detriment overall. Yeah. You know, and decoding that mysticism behind the whys of, of what we're doing to a guitar to make it behave, that goes so that goes so far into um, not only into maintaining your instrument, but into your own playing. And you, you know, you mentioned uh, some, maybe some techs were saying, "Oh, don't teach, don't teach players this because I'll lose all my business." Man, I wish every one of my customers took a four-hour course on how to set up your guitar. It would save me so much time. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, and the, so, there's so much there's so much other repair work that I'm doing, and I want to get in more into building. I want to focus more on building, and um, the the explanations that I have to go through because because I'll be telling someone, okay, here's what your guitar needs, and they'll say why, and then I have to explain to them the basics, like the fundamentals behind why they need a new nut on their guitar, so that they know that I'm not just trying to sell them something they don't need. You know, but if if every customer I had understood things like that, we would be on the same page just from the very beginning, and it would it would actually be, I think, it would actually be a wonderful thing for every guitar player to know this kind of stuff. Well, and I'm trying to even get in on uh, like even as an earlier in earlier education, I, I've I've reached out to a lot of. Um, uh, schools in the country, middle schools and high schools um, that are teaching, you know, kind of these elite guitar playing programs, you know, uh, and uh, even the teachers are saying to me, like, God, they want to take a like a, a crash summer course. You know, these are uh, teachers from all over the country that want to come take a because so, they want to know more as well, because, again, uh, uh, my guitar teacher taught me how to play guitar and taught me how to do scales, but he didn't teach me how to. So how to restring the thing, how to oil yeah. the fretboard, how to yeah. how to maintain. And, and we have a lot of people when we had the repair shop. Um, now we're solely focusing on the school. But when we had a repair shop, it was amazing the amount of, uh, of seasoned professionals that would come in and hand me their card and talk about all the years that they'd been playing. And there's something wrong now with their guitar, or their bass. And most of the I mean, I, I, I don't know how you see it, but about 80 percent of the problems that we saw could have been could have been mitigated by just simple maintenance of their instrument oh sure you know every baseball player out there knows he's got to oil his glove but it's somehow but but in this real real uh weird world of of rock stardom and, and music you know i want i want to be a young kid that has dreams of making a million dollars playing my instrument but to not understand how to maintain that instrument uh, is is a strange thing, and it's something that I've, obviously people that listen to your podcast, you know, those people are probably not in that same. You, we're not preaching to them; we're preaching probably to the choir in that regard. But uh, but there's a lot of people that really uh, are super talented, and they don't know anything. And, and if we could implement that in their in the education as they're learning to play their instrument instead of playing it for 20 years and then finding out oh i could have i could have done this you know while they're in school and they're learning at this elite level um and, and that's why we also provide the career path as a guitar tech you know i had one great instructor the other day that that he was giving me some feedback and he said john i just want you to know that i have a very elite guitar program in my high school and most of these kids want to be in a position to uh have a guitar tech not be a guitar tech and i said oh that's you know it's very interesting um, but at the same time, I kind of challenged him. I was like, as an educator, you should also let these children know or these young adults know that 
the percentage or the chance of them making their entire living um, on their on their guitar playing is is a bit of a long shot. And yet our job placement with our guitar techs, everybody who buys a guitar needs to get it repaired. Yeah. And so our, our, our success rate with our job placement and some of these things are really high. So you can, uh, we had one student last semester, he was 17. He just graduated from high school and he told his mom, he wanted to tour the world with his death metal band. And she goes, <laughs> wow, Eddie, that's, that those are noble. I mean, she was a great mother. She was very supportive. And, uh, you know, she said, you know, Eddie, that's super uh, a beautiful thing, but it would be super great if you got some employable skills to kind of complement that. Sure. And so now him being a guitar tech, now he's actually when he when he opens up for bands, he's able to go, hey, you know, uh, the, the minute I told him, hey, you know, maybe you could offer your services to a, a, a band you open up for and maybe get your band to go on tour because you're the tech or, you know, there's a lot of ways to leverage, you know, this knowledge and and, and still work that career of being the rock star. But being able to pay your bills, uh, you know, is a also an important aspect. Of oh it, yeah, you know? yeah. Well, that's how I got into it. You know, I I wanted to. I I got I started out wanting to be a musician. You know, but I was just the kind of guy who nuts and bolts. That's what makes me tick. And so when I got a guitar, I wanted to figure out how it worked. And not everybody's like that. You know. Yes. Music is an art. So musicians are artists and. Usually artists are not, uh, well, I don't want to generalize, but uh, there's technically minded people and there's artistic minded people and they're, they don't always uh, coincide. But, um, and a lot of the people and a lot of, and when I talked to a mother even last week and she was starting to tell me about her son and the fact that he is a tinkerer and from a very early age, he's 16 and he wants to know if he can start taking our courses. And she starts telling me about how his brain works and how, what he likes and what makes what excites him. Yeah. And I was getting excited just talking to her because yeah. I said, listen, not everybody, this kid might not have the bone to be, I mean, I'm a front man of a band. I mean, I'm, I'm the lead singer. So I have that entertainment bone and I have the gift of gab. And I, you know, my passion has been through, you know, using my voice and, and being able to, to do these things. And I am the spokesperson. So that's my role. But when I talk to somebody who their brain works in this other way and it works in ones and zeros or, or, or millimeter, you know, when it works in this other way that I get so excited because it's like, that's the reason we started the school was to find those people who are kind of diamonds in the rough. Yeah. You know, we're not teaching, we're not teaching auto mechanics here. I mean, right. we're, you know, it is a, it is a niche uh, thing, but it also, because it's so niche, it also is very lucrative and there's not enough trained. And, and that's an unfortunate thing that I, I've found that there are not enough trained or qualified guitar techs out there. Many people have no. really great jobs and many of them, if you talk to them about how they got that job or what they did to get, it's very happenstance and kind of, kind <laughs> yes. of fumbling around. Yes. And, and so, um, to, to create a better career path and I know, you know, and, and again, there's great luthier schools. We are not a luthier school and, uh, we train repair techs, we train guitar techs, we train techs for tour. You know, we focus on the diagnostic, the troubleshooting the you know, and those type of things, because I've met people that, uh, and it's not to disparage any, you know, obviously you are a luthier, not to disparage anybody going to luthier school out there, but you know, built, most of the repair shops I know, they make their living on doing basic repairs. And most guys are not making their living building custom guitars. Yeah. And so it's just, I always talk to people, like, what do you really want to do? And I try to challenge them on that. And, and where do you want to end up? Because building a guitar out of a, a, you know, chopping down the tree and doing that, that's a beautiful craft and it's a beautiful thing. But 
being able to chop a tree down and build a guitar on your own timeline is not the same thing as repairing a 69 uh, Gibson Les Paul or something. So, you know, there's there's other – so we do a lot of wiring. We do a lot of focus on that because I really want people to get – we even do a drum discovery day where we teach people how to uh, – set up and tune drums because we just had a, a, a builder here. Uh, he's currently building guitars for Joe Perry. And he was telling a story about how he was working for a major festival as just a stagehand, an AV tech. And the uh, the drum tech for that major tour, that major stage on this festival, he got COVID and, and he couldn't, he wasn't there. And so they turned around and said, hey, does anybody know how to set up a drum kit? And it just so happened he had the skills for that. And so by the end of the day, he was setting up Lars Ulrich's drum kit and got offered a drum tech job out of just a simple knowledge base. And so I, uh, you know, we, we, folk, we, we pepper in some of these other things in the curriculum because I know your job isn't to wrap cables and set up drum kits, but I want to sure as hell make sure that you know how to do that because if you could be a better asset to your team, to your, your business, to your, the band that you're teching for, um, every one of those things is an opportunity to raise your hand and be more, more of a, uh, an asset. And as soon as you make yourself invaluable to any business or any touring group or any, or any customer, uh, you're, you've, got a, you've got a client for life there. And I'm yeah. sure you've seen that time and time again. When, when you take care of somebody and you take a lot of pride in what you do, and I'm sure you treat every instrument as if it was yours. I mean, and regardless of if you, I don't care if you play seven string Jacksons or not, if you're going to repair some guys, you know, soloist, or you're going to do something, you're going to treat it with the same care as your own instrument. Yeah. And that's going to, and they're going to feel that. And that's going to be something that now you've got a client for life that they're only going to go see you. And that's a, that's a great thing to have, you know? Yeah. That's the attitude you have to take. And I, I started into this industry, uh, gosh, I'm embarrassed to say how long ago, you know, it was in the 1900s, John. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but uh, I started in this industry in the 90s, and um, there was so little information, even then, which is, you know, it's it wasn't that long ago. There, was, there wasn't YouTube. There were very few books about it. There was really, uh, you know, not much in the way of schools. Uh, there, there were a few, I think. But uh, it's exciting to me to see something like El Camino school uh coming up because the what I've seen over the the uh last few decades in the repair industry is that the bar for repair standards has has come up and the kind of work that used to be commonplace and acceptable is now um no longer acceptable that like if we look at soldering technique or headstock repairs you know there are guys who are just doing magical work and guys that who, you know, and they're sharing that information with people who are just starting out or with seasoned, you know, veterans like myself. Uh, they're sharing that knowledge online and it raises the bar for everybody. And so to see a school like this um, where we can just, you know, anything to help raise the bar across the whole board, I'm, I'm all for it. I think it's wonderful. Well, thank you, Eric. And we limit all of our classes. Uh, we only take in at, at max capacity of any semester or any weekend course. Um, we, uh, we take in six students. We max it out at six students. So we make sure that they're getting that hands-on thing. And, and I've seen, unfortunately, a lot of different kinds of universities, not specifically in this uh, genre or this area. Um, but you know, there's so many schools that, and I talk to high school kids all the time about this, that, you know, 
I went to one college career day and while I was there, I was obviously the only school of our kind in a trade school of this way. Uh, but then there was like three esthetician schools, you know, that were there and talking to these young men and women about you know, different things. And I, how is, you know, and even our local university we have here, they churn out so many people. So it, they're, they're taking their tuition and they have no problem taking that, but they're churning out so many people. You can't churn out a thousand massage therapists in a small area in a, in two, in a year and expect them all to get a job. And yeah. so, uh, and so even if we focus on six and, and I, I can say I'm not a multimillionaire, uh, training six people at a time, but the quality of what they're coming out with is great. And, I'm, I'm trying to not, uh, I focus very heavily on their job placement and trying to help them find a, find a home and a, find a location. And when you have students coming from all over the country, you know, uh, th again, they're not all staying in, in Orlando. I, if I was training sure. everybody and they're all staying in Orlando, but you know, but if I was training 18, instead of 18 a year, if I was graduating 1800 a year it, within five years, I would have oversaturated the market to the point where then none of them would be able to get a job. And so I'm, I'm, I very, uh, in the business model of what the business is trying to do, we want to provide a service, but also do it at the frequency of, I certainly could get more than 18 people, probably a job, but, but again, it, there, where is that critical mass and where is that line drawn? Because to, to take their money, to take anybody's money and not be able to, you know, uh, I mean, I graduated in film and, and I, I wanted to be a, a, a film critic when I was in college. And I only and I didn't realize at the time that my area only had two film critics and both of them within two years of graduating uh, went on syndication and they completely lost their jobs. So, like, I, I went to college for a career that could not bear fruit even on its best day. Yeah. So for us, it's like, OK, when, when guitar companies and places are calling us and asking us, that shows that there is a need in the industry. And, and, and a lot of these companies are falling behind and they're mm -hmm. not able to meet the demand. And so I want to be a part of that equation, but not to the fault of oversaturating the market where it, it brings the whole market just to your last point, how all these, the YouTube and things brought the, brought things, all ships rose together with that. If I oversaturate the market, then I bring all ships down. And now the, you know, now everybody's undercutting each other for, for cost. If you had, if you had 20 more, uh, uh you know, high end luthiers in, in your town, um, you'd all be competing for a certain amount of business. And next thing you know, you all start undercutting each other. And to me, that brings the entire industry down. And I want, and what we're trying to do is bring it up and, and bring it up to a place where everybody can find different spots and some of our students make their way just to you know teching and tours but some actually find a love throughout this process that they actually love amps and pedals more and some of that stuff and some of them do go and work for amp companies and pedal companies and av companies so i want to give them exposure to these things because what they walk in on day one thinking that they want to do and what they walk out with that that paradigm might have shifted for them but I, i'm trying to give them a, a broad spectrum and something that they can get a job doing and it's not just a pipe dream for them yeah you mentioned that you were mid-semester right now how long is the uh, a standard course how long is a standard semester uh, at the el camino school so our trade program is a 10-week program, and so we do two different things. Um, we do the weekend courses, which are the one- or two-day guitar builds or amp builds. or you know, We kind of just give them a, a hobbyist course on the weekends. But our true trade program that is based for, uh, which is called Guitar Tech Development, um, that is a 10-week program. Mm -hmm. And it is five, five days a week for 10 weeks. And many of these students come from outside of the, the Florida or Central Florida area. So they're staying at a... 
you know, extended stay hotel or Airbnb, or they're, they're making some sort of accommodations. But when they are here, they are living and breathing this for 10 weeks. Now, you know, from, I know from your experience, 10 weeks is not enough to, you know, in, in a lot of ways, 10 weeks is not enough to scratch the surface, especially when you have instructors that are teaching them that have spent 35 years in their said industry uh, or, or this type of thing. They've got lifetimes. Many of my instructors have more time in the industry than some of these students have been alive. So, yeah. you know, it's hard to download that amount of it's like, hey, Eric, tell, teach them everything. Even if I gave you all 10 weeks, teach them everything, you know, from the 90s on. Teach them everything you know in 10 weeks. You know, that is a, a, a very daunting feat, but we do feel like the amount of uh, foundation, and that's all we can really give them is a, is a base foundation. We give them exposure to a lot of things, but you, you even know something like, like carving a bone nut. You know, they get exposure to that here and they carve a handful of them, but you know that until you've probably gone through your first 10 or 12, your baker's dozen of guitar nuts, you're probably not getting really adept at it. So, uh, but we only have a limited amount of time, so we give them exposure to a ton of different things, but we also encourage them that once they leave, you know, and, and that's a lot of times even, uh, you know, I, I do recommend that a lot of these students, even though their end goal might not be working for a major guitar retailer, I know from experience that if you were working at a guitar center or a music store, you would, if you only worked there for six months, you would push so much wood and you would get, to, you would have so many things <laughs> under your hand. Yeah. I mean, we play, we placed a student, um, we, a gold tone banjo company is, uh, here in, in, in central Florida. They're based in Titusville. And, um, you know, nationally recognized, uh, banjo company, make the Bella Fleck model, great banjo company. We have a student that got placed there, uh, two days after he graduated, he, he went to work for gold tone and in three months after he had been there, he'd already touched a thousand banjos. Oh yeah. And so, so within, within, by the, within six months, he was back teaching the banjo day at the course, because <laughs> if you, yeah. if you touch a thousand, if you touch a yeah. thousand of anything, you're going to be pretty adept at it. But just yeah. that idea that I can't, I can't have them while they're here, touch a thousand banjos that would, that would eat up too much of the curriculum, but we give them exposure. But then when they get in the field, if you're working quality control at Dean or you're doing something, you're touching a lot of product and that time it, before you go sign up, we have a, an instructor right now who just left us, um, He's on tour right now with Steve Vai as, as the guitar tech for the band. And he's in, he's in Spain, I think, today. So he's living this dream. But before you go try to audition for uh, to be Steve Vai's guitar tech, you know, you might want to, uh, you know, get some seasoning under your belt more than just the 10 weeks that we provide. So we always encourage that to, the learning doesn't end. And I don't, I mean, even to your point, I don't think the learning uh, for this type of field, the learning never ends. Yeah. I mean, I don't think in a hum, humans in general, this should never stop learning, but you know, just because you think you know it all, there's still something today that you could learn that you didn't know. And uh, so that's always a kind of the growth. And we try to inspire that of, of, of continuing in, in, you know, I, we had one student that he didn't succeed that he said, well, my guitar is set up really well. I guess I'm good to go. I, I can just, you know, <laughs> I can take the next six months off. And it's like, wait a minute, you've got, you've got the entire thing wrong. You know, this is just the 10 weeks is just a jumping off point. Once you graduate, you're at the start of this brand new adventure. And, uh, but really that's when the real work starts is, is after you graduate and the time that you invest in the craft from there on. Yeah. I started out, you know, some of your stories just reminded me of some of my backstory. I started out in uh, quality control uh, for uh, Ibanez. Okay. And there was there's a distribution warehouse uh, here in Idaho that does Ibanez distribution through for the whole western half of the United, United States. Uh, it's no longer there, but it, that's, it was here in the 90s, and that's where I started out. And my on-the-job training... Whew, 
<laughs> was pretty abysmal. Like, I was being shown how to do things by people who didn't really understand what they were saying, who really weren't guitar players, you know, which is fine, you know, but uh, it just... Uh, the the learning curve for me, it could have been so much shorter if I'd been properly, tr you know, really shown from the get go what we were doing, why and 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 how. And then uh, for me, like you mentioned, the the guy who had went through a thousand banjos, uh, I once did. I tried to do the math of how many Ibanez guitars went through my hands, and I I forget how many, but. It was an astonishing number, and that's really where I learned was tr the trial and error of guitar after guitar after guitar after guitar, uh, the hands-on learning. And um, it's cool, you know, you can learn so much from from YouTube, you can learn so much from books, but the kind, the, the kind of hands-on learning that you're doing at your school, there's really, there's no substitute for that. And I said from the day we opened that, you know, I was very candid. I was like, there's nothing that we can, we're going to teach you over these 10 weeks that you cannot find on YouTube. I mean, God, you could find <laughs> the, the amount of crap. And again, you, you were talking uh, before we were on the air about your children. You know, I have a 10 year old and the amount of stuff that he can find and the things that are on YouTube uh, are just, I'm, I'm always blown away that somebody took the time to, to make these videos and to do these things. There's just so much stuff, but all that knowledge is out there. But even from something as, as simple as a setup, um, you know, we have students, just weekend people, they say, I, I tried to learn this on YouTube, but it just didn't make any sense. And, you know, we're, we're in the middle of pedal week this week, and so they're building simple circuits, and now they're doing some, they did a PCB board pedal, and now they're doing point-to-point -point wire and modulation, and they're, they're really understanding it. But I'm sure there's a YouTube video out there that'll show you how to do that, but to really make it comprehensive and explain, you know, the fact that the instructor is right there, and he can answer real-world questions and see where there's problems. Oh, you know, you see, you're just putting that in backwards or yeah. give you a better cheat. I mean, think of all the, the uh, that's even, you know, we, we train them obviously with setting it up. We, we, you, we, you start with the math and the feeler gauges and things, uh, knowing that you, I know for, I, I have no doubt that you don't use the feeler gauges anymore for certain, or certain, you know, there's a time where you can put certain things down and you can, you know, you can feel use your feel and use your experience. Yeah. But in the beginning, but in the beginning, you should be working, knowing that the numbers exist and knowing what the specs should be. Yes. And then if you need, and if you need to tweak beyond that, you know, but if you go to a, even just a, a retailer and somebody, you know, if they're not asking you what key, uh, what keys you, you know, what, uh, tunings you use, you know, or these types of well, your strings that you use, I mean, these are all simple things, but as you know, somebody playing at a different, uh, uh in a different, uh, uh, tuning that, that changes the entire approach to setting up that guitar. Yeah. And so, uh, the simple things that people just, they go, well, it's, it's, we're going to put nines on it and I guess we're going to whatever it came with whatever in the factory and that's what we're going to do you know so to really get into the player and and we also train them to interview and we have a lot of uh, uh, people that come in during the course and they drop off of a guitar we use that as a teaching tool but part of that interview process of just interviewing your customer mm -hmm. and understanding how they play the are you are do you beat the thing do you play with the pick are you doing finger you know what are you doing because every one of those things are going to dictate how you as the as the luthier or the repair tech are going to be approaching how you set their action and how you do all these things. So oh, knowing yeah. about your now knowing about your customer is a very important thing. And so just dropping a guitar off is, you know, we just did we just did a repair for a local school here, and it was a geo, uh, you know, it was it was just a basic you know uh, beginner model. But 
you know, my tech that was setting it up, he, he needed a new nut made on it. But then he goes, you know, John, this thing is, was never set up because the, the bridge was all level and it was, I mean, it had never been intonated from the factory. I mean, it had never been done that. So you're using this as a teaching tool for students in high school and teaching them how to play guitar on an instrument that had never actually from, from day one out of the box had never been set up properly. And so again, you've, you've almost already, especially if you're teaching them the, that level of, of knowledge and scales and playing, you kind of set them up for failure right off the get. And so, uh, and, and we even partner with a lot of studios because I'm a, I'm part of the recording Academy and I'm a, you know, recording artist. And so, we partner with studios and, and it's such a, to see a light bulb go off to a studio owner to go, Hey, before even to a band, Hey, before you go in the studio, maybe you should get your stuff all set up yes. and, and, and get it because to, you're paying by the hour to go in the studio. So if the guy has to sit there and wonder where that buzz and maybe, and, and, and it's forgivable because live on stage, uh, you know, sometimes the stage uh, hides a lot of issues, Sure, but when you're, but when you're sitting there in a studio and all eyes are on you and you're and, and you're hitting record oh, yeah. and the guitar isn't set up properly, yeah. you've just you've just thrown a, a good portion of your money away or you record something and you're always going to regret that that man, I was that was really buzzing. That sounds really weird. It wasn't staying, you know, whatever. These are all problems that exist that could be completely mitigated by just a little bit more um, preparedness and, 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 and kind of uh, uh, setting people up for success. And, and, and that's what we do in our own small way. And but that's kind of my, my kind of preaching uh, across the board is that I don't care what you do. You, you should be wa- you should walk in as prepared as you can be, though, before you, you know, I got a resume the other day that, you know, the guy spelt all the words wrong. At that point, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, if you're applying for a job and I had to take it out and show our students, but I was like, listen, I know that if you're just applying for a guitar tech job at some whatever, I mean, I'm sure Steve Vai doesn't you know, care that you can spell or not. But at the same time, if you're submitting something or you're showing up to something, you know, you want to put your best foot forward. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't even take the time to invest in yourself to, to not have blatant misspellings on your resume, um, then uh, it's hard for me to invest in that kind yeah. of thing, you know. But if you would have put a little bit more time, you put your your best foot forward. And I think that any employer, regardless if it's from a band or a, a manufacturer or a retailer, they appreciate that, you know. Yeah, John, sit tight. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with more after this. This episode of the Fret Files podcast is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters. Imagine always having fresh roasted coffee in your home. Now, imagine you didn't even have to leave the house for it. A subscription with Apex Coffee Roasters makes all of this possible. You choose the plan that best suits your needs, and they handle the rest. Their roaster will select a coffee option just for you and send it your way. Discounts are applied if you get a six-month or a year-long subscription. And shipping included if you're in the USA. Great coffee every morning. Just got a little bit easier. That's apexcoffeeroasters.com. And if you go there and use my promo code, you get an additional 10% off. That's pinup, P-I-N-U-P. That's at apexcoffeeroasters.com. We've talked a lot about neck straightening irons on the show, and people write to me and they say, Eric, where can I get one? Well, until now, I didn't have anywhere to send people because nobody makes them anymore, except for my buddy Rick at playersgearmusic.com. You can go to Players Gear Music, you can order a neck straightening iron, some people call it a neck press or a neck heater. It is an in 
valuable tool in my shop. I use it all the time. I'd be lost without one of these. I, I love having a neck straightening iron, and Rick is making a really, really stout industrial. It, I, I think it... I think it's the best one that I've used, and I've I've used a lot. I've used uh, the commercially available ones that they used to sell in the 70s and 80s, but they don't sell them anymore. Well, now you can get one from PlayersGearMusic.com. They're $7.49. I know that seems like a lot. It's it's a tool. I tell you what, it's going to pay for itself a hundred times over. If you go to PlayersGearMusic.com. Scroll down on the main page. Scroll, scroll, scroll down to where it says "Fan of the Fret Files Podcast." You click that. That adds one to your cart, and it's fifty bucks off. So instead of seven forty nine, it's six ninety nine. Six ninety nine, free shipping, and it's yours. A neck straightening iron. PlayersGearMusic.com has them, and you need one. I'm telling you. So go to playersgearmusic.com and check it out. And don't forget to tell Rick that the Fret Files podcast sent you. You mentioned studio work. And uh, boy, I tell you, nothing is more illuminating than if you go and you do some recording, you're laying down some tracks, and then you put on headphones to listen back to what Mm -hmm. you've recorded. And man, it is like taking out... A microscope and you hear everything and it can be so illuminating you know on your technique and on your guitar and what's in tune and what's not and where the buzzes are and where they're not um so yeah i've there's a studio here in town who before a band will go in uh he will tell the band oh, take take your guitars take your basses take them all in get them set up uh, before you even set foot in my studio, you know, and he like that's a prerequisite to record in his studio, <laughs> which is great, you know, but it's it's it can be so illuminating. Um, well, that few hundred dollars that you were going to spend with you to get those things to you know, uh, you know, set up properly, um, you're going to burn that up if you didn't do it, you're going to burn it up, or you're going to it's always a oh, we'll fix it in post, you know, you're going to yeah. make the life of the engineer or the, the mixer, you know, oh, well, there's that buzzing, just try to get rid of it. No, no, that's yeah, a, there's not a there, you know, you, you might be able to auto tune the person's voice or, or something, but you know, uh, taking away the buzz on a string that doesn't really exist uh, as far as what I understand from automation of, of recording, so yeah, you know, the the idea to put it on the it's going to cost you that money on the front end or on the back end but it's going to be a lot more painful on the back end so why not just do it on the front end and, and, and the you know set yourself up for success yeah and and the communication we were you were talking about um oh the communication between the player and the tech and it's something i wanted to touch on because this was a lesson that i had to learn in the real world the problems that I would encounter, I, I was a guitar tech in Seattle for a long time at a, at a major music store there, Emerald City Guitars. And the encounters that I would have that would turn into problems, I could almost always, every time there was a problem, it was when a guitar had been dropped off, when either I was busy or I wasn't there, and the, the player had dropped off the guitar, with a salesperson. So I never got to have that initial conversation mm-hmm. and get inside the guy's brain, right? Because it's so key, you know, 
the guitar as a uh, as an artist's tool, it's so key to know. Okay, what tuning are you using? Do you alternate tunings? Do you strum heavy? Do you use a pick? Do you use your fingers? Do you have a light touch? You know, show me how you play. You know, uh, because the the setup I'm going to do for a really light touch jazz guy is totally different from a setup I'm going to do for a thrash punk power chord guy. And the only times, the real times I had problems was when there was that lack of communication. I remember one time I set up a guitar for a guy, and I think I set it up a couple times because he always was coming in on my day off. It just coincided that that was his day off too, and so we never quite crossed paths, and I couldn't get him on the phone, and I set it up, and he he brought it back, you know, saying it was buzzing, so I set it up again, and he came back. Well, come to find out, I was setting it up for standard tuning. He would take it out of the case and tune it down to, like, drop C immediately. Ugh, whoa. When I'd set it up for standard. I'm going, oh, well, we could have avoided this whole problem <laughs> if I would have known that from the beginning. Yeah, I, have a, I, have an ele- I have a guitar player in my band, and I say he's a, he, he, he puts 12s on his on electric guitar. And he, he's a hard-handed guy. Yeah. And, and so... Yeah, the difference between nines and twelves, and and how you're going to attack that, and what you're going to do, and you're going to be finger tapping. I mean, or, or or beating the heck out of it. You know, there's a lot of things that go into that, and that's not even again when we start talking about the amps and the pedals and all the things that go into creating somebody's sound. You know, there's a lot of and we, and we joked when we first opened. I guess I, I you know I was naive to think that you know every guitar player in 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 the area is going to want to take these courses, and I I, I found out very quickly that. You know, there's a percentage of guitar players that want this knowledge, but I also joke that I've I've been in bands with some people like this. That you know, if you already think you know everything, there's you can't teach anybody anything. You oh, know, it's yeah. like people out there that it, just from a spiritual standpoint, you know, it's like the same kind of thing. If if I want to help the world and I want to help people, uh, that's part of my main you know part of being here. But if people can't don't ask for help, it's very hard to help them. And so when you already think that you know everything, you know. Uh, Again, you can always refine your craft. There's always a cheat. There's always some 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 style or some uh, approach, even as just a player. You can always better yourself. I always love hearing like the Neil Peart stories of that type of thing where, you know, you've already got a guy who's at the top of his craft, but he takes his downtime to go find local instructors to teach him and, and maybe show him a little, little something that he didn't know. There's, there's a lot of gems out there. Uh, Ray, one of my instructors, teaches music theory. Well, we have a student that's taking this course right now that is a music instructor. And of course, I'm going, well, this is going to be a wasted day for this guy because he already knows music theory and he already understands this. But just by having a different person explain it to you and hearing things in a different way, maybe certain, you know, those uh, certain uh, 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 gears start turning and, and certain things make a little bit more sense. And so I don't care if I have 10 different teachers all show somebody how to do a setup. Yes, the principal application should be very similar, but every one of them is going to have a little something different that makes what their thing does unique or their approach unique or, or a mistake that they had made that they're going to teach you on. And so I, I never, I, I hate that idea that anybody is giving up their, you know, I, I already know all that. I don't, you know, I've had a lot of guys come in and go, well, I, I already know how to solder. Okay. You know, I'm sure that in your life, you've had a lot of uh, people bring you work that they've tried to do there on their own. Oh, and yeah. you've had to un- undo their work. And again, just because you own a soldering gun and you watch a YouTube video on soldering, I'm not saying you cannot become a good solderer, but 
my these students that take this course they start off on guitar wiring and then they move to amps and then they move to pedals and the minutia of soldering on a pedal is much different than uh, a lot less forgiving than on a guitar and a lot of our students now that they're this many weeks in they're going man I can't wait to go back to my guitar and resolder everything that I did because I'm so much better <laughs> at it now than I than I was even three weeks ago yeah so just the difference of a handful of weeks has has, has upped their skill that much more that they're going god now they're looking back at their work that on a week two that they thought was super you know oh god i'm doing great and now they're looking at those solders and and, and you know you know soldering that pot and doing things and they go man i could have made it a lot better so again yeah. sometimes you don't know what you don't know but there is always a way to refine your craft and, and and never stop learning oh absolutely and i'm still in that boat i i never want to stop learning and i'll i'll even you know repairs that i did five years ago i'll i'll have to revisit them sometimes and i think oh you know, I I would have done this differently now. I didn't do it. I didn't do it poorly, but I would have done it differently now. And it's amazing how that can um, that growth. You don't see it day to day, but over time, you absolutely see it. And I'm sure, you know, if you're if you're going into uh, a place like El Camino School with with minimal skills, um, that growth is 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 exponential. It, it's, it's huge when you get fully immersed in it. But, um, you know, even where I'm at, I'm still learning and I, I always, I still want to learn. I always want to learn, but you know, we were, what's the one thing, Eric, that you get super, cause I find a lot of instructors and I always find the guy that gets his eyes light up about a certain thing, even though they can do all this different work, you know, what's the one thing that you like the most like doing, you know, I know some guys focus on this. Is there something that you still do to this day that you get excited about? I'm sure every part, every aspect of your job is some of it probably is arduous or the torture you could live with, you know, that idea, but what's the one thing that you really just love and you still get just as excited about it? I love winding pickups. I, I make okay. I make pickups um, that I put in my own guitars, and then I I sell them uh, just as individual pickups. And I also uh, repair and restore vintage pickups. And you know that's just, it's it's one of those things that I don't think I'll ever get tired of. I just absolutely love it. Yep. Yeah. And I love finding as many of the competent people that we have, and we have some great instructors that come here and teach, but I even have a gentleman coming next week that uh, he's, t- you know, he's focusing solely on bass, the whole day dedicated solely to basses and the differences. Now the foundation's built, we can start getting into some of these nuances, but to hear him talk about basses and his love for basses and the nuances of the bass, it's like his eyes light up. My instructor right now is teaching the pedals. When he starts, and I kind of gloss over when he starts putting waves on, you know, woof, I, you know he starts drawing <laughs> diagrams. I, you know, I, I, yeah. I uh, you know, I, I get a little glossed over because it's not, it's not, that's not my bag. But for him, when he starts talking about how these circuits come together and how he can make uh, a fuzz pedal into a mason jar and he can do these crazy things, and he's a bandmate of mine, so I have to listen to this stuff all the time. <laughs> and uh, you know, but it's one of those things that every time he speaks about it. He gets his eyes light up and he gets so excited. And another one of my instructors that that focuses on Floyd Rose, he's he's a guy that literally has dedicated his life to just the nuances of the Floyd Rose. That's and cool. so to hear to hear him talk about it, it's like I knew I found the best guy. Not that every every instructor I have knows how to set up a Floyd Rose, but to hear this one instructor talk about it and how he's dedicated and how he's the guy when somebody calls me and says, I need a repair on this. I got my, I got X, Y, I got to get my Floyd Rose work done. 
there, I know that there's this guy that I can send him to because he gets excited about it and, and he can't wait to talk to the students about it. So nobody's teaching at the school because it's, you know, they're getting rich off the experience, but every one of us from the reason of founding the school, from my standpoint to, um, to the instructors we have, everybody, I get excited about the impartment of knowledge and, and seeing these students, you know, I'm not a tech. I I'm not, I mean, that's not my wheelhouse. Uh, you know, I hire people that are, are world-class techs, but the students that are in there that have dedicated these 10 weeks, the fact that they're having so much fun and they're just inspired every day, that's what gets me excited. So I, we've, I've been, I'm empowering some student that's going to be able to go and have a career that maybe when he was 16, he never thought he would be able to do. And people come to us in all different walks of life. Not everybody is just right out of high school. You know, many of these people have have done other things or went to traditional college or done certain things and were unhappy with where they worked or what they were doing. And they chose to kind of sever the cord. And and that even just the fact that uh, we have one student right now, you know, he he lost his way for a while and he was working at a hotel and doing things and not really living his full potential in his dream. And he severed the cord and came here and he is so excited and he feels every day you can just see it on him, how empowered he is because he's doing what he wants to do. And he's going to find a career in a field that he wants to be a part of. And I'm not saying that a lot of places on earth aren't great to you make a good paycheck, but you know, I do believe, and I try to set the tone for my son and, and the people that I, I try to mentor and inspire that, you know, you can do what you love and make a living doing it. Uh, so when I find people that, that sever that cord and choose to do that and dedicate this time to kind of change the trajectory of where they were at, that's, that's what I get excited about. So yeah. everybody, everybody that's here wants to impart that knowledge to the next generation. And when we first opened, uh, we were getting a little bit of kickback from some of the old guard uh, roadies and some of those things and going, you know, you, you know, you don't these guys could just go on the road and, and grind it out. It's kind of like you with the Ibanez or, you know, you could just go and, 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 and figure it out or go. And it's like, yeah, but have you met anybody who's under 25? I mean, that's just it's a different world. Yeah. And to go think that you're going to just uh, even just apprenticing the idea of apprenticing. It is a little bit of a dying thing. Uh, it's not as prevalent, but also, you know, I explained to the students the other day, you can apprentice with somebody and they can teach you everything and it's going to take a, a, quite a while and you're going to, you're going to learn on the job and you're going to do this. But then after the fact, uh, if you want to go do something else, that's a, that burns relationships because if this guy, if you just took an apprentice, Eric, and you just spent the last three years getting him up so he could be an asset to your team and your business. And then he decides, well, thanks for all that knowledge. I'm going to go open up my own shop or I'm going to go on tour. You know, no, you've invested that time in them. Um, you've invested that time into these, these people and that the training of them. And so turnover in any business is a, is a very expensive thing, but to, but to apprentice somebody and go through an apprenticeship, uh, you expect them to stay and work and be that boots on the ground or maybe even take over your company one day. You know, you've invested that time. And so not that I, I, there's no problem with the apprenticeship. and I, It's a beautiful thing. But you know, there's also a lot of people that, that gave a lot of knowledge away and uh, you know, only to have it kind of you know, uh, jeopardized on, on the back sure. end. And so, yeah. you know, when they, when they come to school here, I have no investment in them. I mean, I have a personal investment in them of getting a job and doing other things, but, but they don't owe me anything. They don't have to work for five years to pay yeah, off their right. thing. You know, they get to go just spread their wings and go try to plug in where they can and, and, and start their career. But, um, you know, again, it, it's a little bit different. Uh, you know, like you said, in the, even in as long as short ago, cause I'm a, I'm a boy of the, the nineties and uh, things as well, you know, um, 
you know, things are a lot different, even in the difference of just 20 years, yeah. but much less 40 years. So when you start talking to uh, some of these instructors that are, I had a, an instructor who unfortunately passed away, but he was a tech for George Lynch and Tesla and Travis Tritt. And I mean, you know, and he was a very old school, one of, you know, old school guy in, in his sixties. Well, he obviously had years and years of knowledge, but he wanted to pass that stuff on before he passed away. And, and unfortunately he has passed away since, you know, we opened the school, but it was one of those things that he looked at it as, I want to I want to make sure that that next generation you know has this knowledge. I'm, and I've got I've got thirty years of experience that I'm about to die with and yeah. take that knowledge with. I'm not about to take that knowledge with me. I want to make sure that I can pass that knowledge on to the next generation. But people that are afraid for their jobs, I think we got a lot of kickback in the beginning because people thought you know we were uh, you know we're we're training people to come take their jobs. And it's like well. You always have to replenish. You always have yeah. to replenish. And, and in the music industry, um, it's a very insulated thing. That uh, That's why not every everybody knows about that there's even a career path to be a guitar tech because it's a very – I don't say it's 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 cloak and dagger, but it's really not something that's on the forefront. You know, know. everybody knows everybody knows you can go be an auto mechanic and go work yeah. at Jiffy Lube, and you know, and and the reality is that not everybody that goes to auto mechanic school is going to work for NASCAR. You know, so you have to kind of mitigate your uh, your your expectations on some of this. But the idea that you know the industry needs to have constant, you know, uh, Willie Nelson's guitar tech is going to die someday. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean, everybody's going to you know for every band that exists, even my band. I mean, we've been together. 14 years for the lifespan of a band that uh is not you know uh you know not winning grammys you know that's a long time and the amount of other bands and other people i've seen come and go in that time is astronomical so it's just one of those things that i got a helicopter uh, oh, yeah. it's just one of those things that um you know it if we can set the next generation up for success, because the same kids that are graduating now, they're going to need to know. And 10 years from now, those kids are going to need, I mean, there's always going to be a funnel for, oh, yeah. for new blood, for new blood in the industry. It's an industry that's not going away. And it's an industry that's, it's not going, you know, so many jobs have been replaced by technology. Well, this is, this is an occupation that I don't see it ever being replaced because it's so hands on, you know, even when something like uh Plex machines came out, I remember, a lot of techs were complaining about, oh, that you know, it's gonna these robots are gonna replace uh, our fret leveling technique. You know, well, a Plex machine is only as good as the guy who's programming it to do something. Yep. So it's really just a tool. It's not a replacement. And there will always be new and uh, fancy tools coming out, but. Um, knowing how to use the tools and why we're using them, that's not going away. It's absolutely not going away. Well, and even in within my I, you know, uh, my own lifetime, I mean, you know, uh, a TV repairman was a job. That was a career. Yeah, sure. Uh, a piano tuner. You know, uh, we had a baby grand at, at our old facility. We moved to a new location recently. Um, uh, you know. A piano tuner is a hard thing to find these days because everybody has a weighted key digital Yamaha and everybody's got a, a what do you do with your TV when it's not working? You throw the yeah. thing in a landfill. Sure. You know, and so a lot of these other things, like you said, technology has changed. But I, I always talk to our students about 
that they are part of like a long line. It's almost like stu- the stewards of this whole thing. I mean, I'm in a uh, I'm in a modern day jug band, so I I play the washboard, and you know, and you look at these where these things came from: the wash tub bass, the cigar box guitar. You know where these things came from and where they are now. And even in our when we talk about amps, you know, tube amps. I mean, I know that there's you know uh, there's spaceship uh, guitar pedals out there, and there's the Kempers, and there's all these things, but that that tube amp is never going to go away and the no. repairing of that tube amp. And that's the beautiful thing that I think that you do and, and, and my instructors do. And, and, and I, God bless them. My students do as well that, you know, you're taking a piece of, of, uh, you're taking an instrument that could be at, especially at this point, when I realized that vintage, uh, was already in the eighties after I was born, I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> God, we're getting old here. Yeah. You know, um, but the idea is, you know, or, or contemporary music, I'm going, oh, my God, this is, you know, how things change over time. But when you can repair an amp that's 50 years old or repair a guitar that's 50 years old and you're using the same skills and it's it's part of this trade. And, and I, I'm like, you guys are stewards of this next thing. And I think, you know, as well as anybody that, um, you know, people have in, uh, maybe a, a uh their love of their instruments is sometimes, you know, borderline, you know, insane, you know, people really love their instruments and some of the guys that don't even play instruments, you know, that they're, they're collectors, but you know, but (laughs) people have an unnatural fascination and love for their instruments. So to take care, like when somebody hands you, uh, their instrument for many of them, that's their baby. That's their, I mean, uh, I know some people just like bikers, you know, they're people, you know, they like their motorcycle more than their wife or something, you know, it's like, uh, you know, some of these, people spend more time or, or have more admiration for their, their instrument than they do their children. And so when you hand your guitar to somebody, you are really giving them an, an, an heirloom. Yeah. And I'm sure you've also repaired many heirlooms. You know, there's a lot of instruments that would come to us that, you know, daddy died and, you know, or grandpa died. And this was a guitar that grandpa had. And I want to get this thing fixed up. And, and you, and you, you know, and your whole job is to bring these things back. Like you said, repairing vintage, doing these things, you're taking an instrument and you're basically taking it from the boneyard and you're making it back to be a contender and a playable instrument. Sure. Like that is a, that is a part of Americana. I mean, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing that I think that kind of gets overlooked. And so even though it gets a little preachy to these students, I kind of tell them like, don't minimize your place in this entire perspective because not only is you as the guitar tech on stage with a band, you are empowering those people to be able to do their best work. That is, even if you never get on that stage and the limelight's not on you, you that trust me that that band, maybe the fans out in the audience don't know who you are, but the people on that stage, they know the work you're doing and they couldn't do the best of their work if you, if you weren't doing your work. But it's the same thing when you have a customer. You're taking a very, very precious heirloom of out of their thing and something that they've spent a, a, an exorbitant amount of time with, and <clears throat> you have the ability, and I'm sure you get it all the time, where somebody plays when you set up a guitar, Eric, and, and I'm sure you've seen it time and time again, especially when you were working for just the retailer side of it, you know, when you hand somebody back their guitar and they touch it and it plays better than it ever played before, it's like, I've had people almost break down and cry. Yeah. I mean, like, they, yeah, sure. it, it's a, it, it's like a light bulb just goes off and goes, oh my God, I never knew it could play so well or it could feel so good. Yeah. And that's a, that's a really, again, it's a really high level thing, but it's, I mean, we're doing it to help me help people. I mean, sure. it's, you're, 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 you're maintaining instruments, but that is also enabling a lot of uh, love and, and continuing some sort of relationship with their instrument. Absolutely. Know? Some of these instruments, you know, you were asking what I get passionate about still. I had this realization the other day, you know, sometimes I work on 
guitars from the golden era, you know, maybe a, an early 50s Telecaster or a, a wartime uh, or a pre-war Martin, you know, I, I wow. do, yeah. I'll do, I'll do re- full restorations on these guitars. And I realized, you know, those, those guitars are like Stradivariuses. And they need to be preserved for future generations. They could be around for the next thousand years. Yep. And so preservation is huge. And I realized, you know, a few of these guitars that I've worked on and done full restorations on, my name is going to be associated with that guitar for maybe hundreds of years. People will yep. be, when it gets sold in the year, you know, 2090, It'll have a piece of paper that said Eric Daw restored this in in 2022 or something, you know, uh, and so there's a weight to it. I mean, it really is, uh, uh, it really is an important thing, and it's it's important to know what you're doing and to put your best foot forward, and to have that mindset and that passion um, towards preservation and doing things properly. And uh, that it, I hear that same passion in your voice, and I'm I'm excited to hear that because and and it sounds like the instructors that you have sought out have that same passion as well. And so, to have the more people like that we can have in the industry, uh, the better. I'm I'm all for it, man. I think it's great. Well, and even even just some level of and, and these are all little things and tidbits that I I interject while the teachers are teaching. I, I they say something and I jump out of my office and and I interject something and I kind of you know try to put it all together for them because also i'm i always approach everything from a business standpoint and if you're going to do this this is how you should think about it and these are the costs and you know other things like that but sometimes i just had a talk with them yesterday about just simple transparency you know if you do not feel qualified to take this instrument you probably should tell them that yes, you know? yes. i mean i know i hate that i know that we hate to turn down as as capitalists you know we hate to turn down work but if, if somebody brought one of my students five weeks or three weeks out of graduation, brought them a vintage guitar, you probably should tell them that you had, you do not feel qualified to work on their, you know, 59, the Les Paul Jr. You know, you should probably tell them that and you will probably gain. And, there, and then one of the students was like, well, how can I, I'm going to look like an asshole. Like, no, how can you'll I gain the that? respect. And I, and I, and I just said that I said you're, I go. You will actually gain more respect for them. But trust me, if you if you make a mistake on this instrument and you mar this instrument up or you do anything wrong to this instrument, you will have an enemy. <laughs> you will have an yes. enemy for life. You know, you will have somebody who will be vehemently making sure that everybody else knows to not send you that business. When a simple thing of just going, listen, and, and that's what we do quite a lot. When people call me for, can you recommend a guy? The first thing I ask is, you know, what are you looking to get done? Oh. If you need a neck reset or a refret, and especially what instrument it is, okay, these are the guys you should go talk to. If you just need a setup and a this and a that, there's these guys, and you know whatever. Sure. But there's people that specialize in certain things, and I want to send you to the right person. And not everybody is, you know, it's not like all all things just because everybody wants to call themselves a luthier or a guitar tech. You know, not all things fit in the same this square peg round hole kind of thing. So that idea of trying to find the right person for that job, and if I know that somebody's not qualified for that i'm trying not going to not send him that business and they could be the best the guy the same guy that is the best floyd rose guy in town is not the best neck reset or refret guy sure so you know and it doesn't mean he can't do it the job but if you really want the job done right then i want to have you go to the guy that's going to treat you the best and is going to be the best specialized guy for you you know yeah john el camino school.com is where people can go do you guys have a social media presence or where else can people go to to learn more 
Yep. Uh, especially uh, since we've been talking about the curriculum, if people want to kind of follow along, because every day I'm posting photos of where the students are at and what we're doing, even for this weekend's two day guitar build, I'm always posting on Instagram and that ports over to our Facebook. So uh, Instagram is uh, El Camino School USA um, at El Camino School USA. And it's the same thing for Facebook. Um, we also on our website, we do have a 90 minute online tutorial because not everybody, um, you know, geographic, uh, geographically, some people can not make it to the school. Um, we do try to lean on the in-person as much as we can, but we are starting to come out with some long form online tutorials. Our setup video right now is 90 minutes long and, and we feel it's very comprehensive. So for people that want that, but we also, again, we have people come from all over the country to take our program. Um, it's a 10 week course that we have in spring, summer, fall. So we run our program three times a year. We are gearing up for the summer semester. We're in the middle of the spring semester right now, gearing up for summer. And then, uh, we do have people that try travel all over the region to come for the weekend courses you know, and a lot of these people, they don't want to be a guitar tech. They've already got their own career and they've already got their own life and they're happy with it. But we do have a lot of the hobbyist courses, um, that are taking place on the weekends and they're just to smarten people up just to give them a little bit more knowledge or, you know, give them their money's worth. You know, even our guitar build this weekend, they're building a telecaster and it's a kit guitar. They're building and assembling with an instructor but it's $500 and those people get to walk away with the guitar that they built with their own two hands. And I've had, I've had people take the course that aren't even guitar players. They just wanted the experience and other people that are monster guitar players that just wanted a little bit more knowledge about what they're doing. But we are on the social media. We do have videos on YouTube and the website has all the classes and dates. And, you know, and thank you so much, Eric, for having me on the program, um, because reaching an audience and telling our story, I think, you know, we're, we're not, uh, we're not in a situation where we're just printing money and letting our marketing firm do sure. work for us. You know, we're still very boots on the ground. We're still in the first, we're just, in October, we'll hit our four-year anniversary. Um, we've had many hurdles, uh, even beyond the COVID, uh, of you know starting a new business. So again, I focus while everybody else is focusing on the learning and, and the high-quality learning that we uh, give out. I'm focused on the day-to-day -day of keeping the lights on and, and the business growing. But reaching more people is our main message right now because you know personally that this is not a field that everybody wants to be in. But with the people that I talk to that do want to be in this field. I want them to find us and I want them to see, and I'm not saying anything negative about any other schools out there in the world, but we have a very unique approach to how we teach. And we also have a very unique approach about how we focus on the job placement and giving them employable skills that they can find a plethora of jobs from that mm -hmm. because having knowledge is great, but not being able to, not being able to monetize that knowledge is a real shame. And, and many people spent hundreds of thousands. There's many people right now that are paying off uh, student loan debt that they went to some sort of college and they never got into the field that they were in. And sure. so, uh, to, to have people that want this field, but also want, want to take the time to spend the 10 weeks with us and, and learn these things, we want the best for them. And a lot of, uh, you probably won't get a lot of uh, presidents or owners of places or, or especially schools that will stand up there in front of a class and tell them how much they mean, you know, and I, I just told them that this morning, I said, you know, you're realizing your dreams, but you being here is the realization of my dream. Mm -hmm. You know, I created, uh, you know, in my team, we created this out of nothing. It was, it was an idea that I had. And it was something that we put every, I mean, I put every red cent in, and put my family on, you know, in the financial crosshairs for this, but they are the realization. They are the proof of concept. And every one of them that goes out and gets a career and, and lives this life that they wanted to live, 
they're doing that for themselves, and my instructors get that little that, that little uh, scratch itched on the uh, you know for their thing. But for me, you know, the fact that we have the students coming in, the experiences that they have, and our reviews on Google, and people, you know, even just people coming from the weekend courses, they're having these amazing experiences and these revelations about their instrument. To me, that is. That is the empowerment, and that is the that is the reason that I started it. So you know, it's a really great thing, and it comes full circle. So Eric, the fact that you had me on the program to speak to your audience, who I know are very, uh, you know, guitar and gear and luthier, you know, very, uh, very uh, uh, passionate about these things. Um, the fact that you gave me the vehicle to be able to come and tell our story is a blessing, and oh, I can't thank you enough for it. Happy to do it. Happy to do it. John Thiessen, president and owner of El Camino School of Music Repair and Technology in florida what what city in florida orlando florida orlando. everybody know we're right next to yeah we're not next to mickey mouse but everybody thinks that yeah. you know you say orlando so it's uh but no we're right in central florida and uh, there's there's an airport there's an easy transit to get here and we do have students like i said even in this semester i just talked to a gentleman uh, yesterday from seattle and we have students that come from all over the country and they dedicate this time to themselves and it's a it's a great thing that i think everybody should do not to be like I said solely become a guitar tech but the idea of taking that time you know, we're all so damn busy every day. And the fact that anybody would take a certain amount of time to do something that they, I don't care if you want to be is sewing, you want to learn how to make a pottery. You know, the fact that you would take time for yourself. I, we even used to have, we used to teach lessons and I'd have, I used to love having adults in there that they were just, I'd have some mother of, of three kids and she'd go, you know what? I always wanted to do this and I'm just doing this for me. And I'd go, God bless you. She's like, I take my kids to <laughs> soccer every day and sure. I do all this crap for my kids and my kids in karate. And I do all this crap for my kids, but I'm doing this for me. And I, that really, I just, it, it makes me feel really great. Uh, when, when anybody, regardless of if they come to El Camino school or not, anybody doing something that they're passionate about and, and giving a little bit back to them. Uh, cause I think most people give a lot to everybody else and their families and these things, but just to do something that makes you happy and something that would, you know, uh, Every time we have one guy that every time his uh, kids want to go to Disneyland, he goes, great, I'm going to make a, I'm going to go to I'm going to go. You guys go to Disney and have a great time. I'm going to go to El Camino school and build an amp or do something crazy because his kids want to go there and he's been to Disney. Great. You go All ride right. the roller coasters. Uh, Daddy's going to do something for daddy and daddy's going to go over here. But also, I just want to say from men and women, uh, the idea, uh, you know, this is a very male dominated. This is kind of my last note. This is a very male dominated industry and it has been for a very long time. Yeah. And so we are certainly looking to be more inclusive. I think that, you know, this industry needs more diversity. And, uh, you know, this, 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 again, male dominated world that we, uh, you know, especially in, in this particular industry, um, you know, I think that it's uh, there's great w the women in Lutheran and there's a lot of different people out there trying to, to fly that flag. But you know, I just want everybody to know that we are very inclusive and we want a uh, you know black, white, blue, man, woman, child, you know, I mean, whatever. I mean, we want them if this is something that makes them happy and that maybe they didn't know about or something they'd like to do. You know, they are welcome here because we also want to be a proponent of change as well. And you know, if if uh, a lot more female artists out there had female guitar techs or male people, you know, there's just not enough of that diversity from from the uh, the retailers to the manufacturers to, to specific, also the touring side there's not enough diversity in our industry and we're also trying to be a proponent for change of that the, uh, that being said i am a white male with a uh, 40 something year old white male with a two foot long beard and you know and uh, you know uh, look like a degenerate but the world is full you know this <laughs> this industry is full of degenerates and uh, you know uh, and so if we could uh, bring in a little bit more diversity to it i think that it would also help the industry because i think that the other uh, perspectives that other uh, demographics and other people would bring to it would be refreshing at this point you know yeah and and to see people follow their passion 
you know, whether they're male, female, whatever, uh, you know, I've, uh, I've been following uh, a female amp tech for a while on, uh, on Instagram and uh, man, her business has just exploded. And I'm just so happy to see some of those opportunities opened up a little bit more because it has been such a male dominated industry. People who want to follow their passion, no matter who they are, uh, male, female, black, white, whatever. Uh, I'm just happy to see that things are a little bit opening, open, opened up a little bit more, you know, but yeah, if they, if they want to do it, they should be able to do it. If they want to, if they want to pursue the passion, their gender or race or creed or any of these other things should not stand in yeah. their way to do it. And that's just, you know, that's just my own kind of personal feelings. And that's, and, and as the business owner, I get to make those kind of calls. Yeah. But I, you know, the idea that whenever I don't, I, I think that so many industries and so many things are exclusive. And I think that that's a, a problem. It's problematic for our society. And I think that being inclusive, regardless of how you load that word up, I know that's a buzzword right now. Now, but the idea of just inclusion in any aspect of it, in any way you want to interpret that word, I think is a good thing and a way to help pave the way for the future and a better future for all yeah. of us. So again, Eric, thank you so much for the opportunity to come on the show, El Camino School. And if anybody has any questions or anything, then go to the website, send an email, give us a call. I'm yeah. always happy to talk to somebody and try to see if it's the right decision for them to make. Yeah, ElCaminoSchool.com. John, thanks for being on the show today, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Eric. I'll talk to you soon. Well, that does it for today's show. We'll get back to questions and answers for next episode. If you want to participate, you should go to my website, ericdaw.com. Click the contact link. Send in your question or comment there, and we'll use it as part of the show. The other way to send in a question is to call or text 757-774-8482. We'll talk to you next time.